This is BMO Smarter Investing for June 2022. Join top BMO economists Douglas Porter, Sal Gutierrez, and Jennifer Lee for trends and forecasts across the economic landscape so you can make more thoughtful investment decisions. Hi, everyone. I'm Sal Guattari, and joining me to talk about the outlook for the Canadian, U.S., and European economies and interest rates are Jennifer Lee and Ben Reitzes. With recession talks swirling in the media, the global economy is headed for choppy waters as central banks try to calm inflation. Ben, let's start with the situation in Canada, where high energy prices are great for the trade balance, but not for people's pocketbooks. The Bank of Canada sounding every bit as hawkish as the Fed about fighting inflation. How is the Canadian economy faring right now heading into the storm? Well, we've fared pretty well through the turn of the year, and, and even the most recent data has held up pretty nicely. We got April retail sales this morning, and it was surprisingly perky as, as households and consumers have held up well in the face of still accelerating inflation. But what we have to keep in mind is we, we only saw a couple of rate hikes at the time of this report, and, and we are poised to get more from the Bank of Canada in the, in the weeks and months ahead, and rates are going to weigh heavily on consumers. And so while the economy has held up nicely, again, very good growth in the second half of last year and and pretty good momentum into the first and second quarters of this year, we expect things to decelerate in the second half of the year and the economy to really struggle in the fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter of next year. I wish I could say the U.S. economy was holding up as better because its retail sales in May uh, were, were much weaker than expected, actually declined. And that's even with the pop in prices, so volumes were pretty weak. And we did expect some shift towards services, but even the the one area of services in that report was pretty weak, and that that was restaurant outings, which seem to be ebbing right now. It looks like American consumers are starting to push back at those price hikes. I mean, they have enormous excess savings, but a lot of that is just getting drained by higher prices rather than, you know, buying more stuff. We just look at the run-up in fuel and food costs this year probably squeezing the typical American household's budget by a couple percent or so. So they, they, they are finding ways to cut back in other areas. Some of the other recent data is, is starting to soften as well. Manufacturing fell in May. Jobless claims starting to turn up as well in the U.S. And of course, the most interest-sensitive area of the economy, the housing market, is, is cooling really fast. We just saw you know, the fourth straight decline in existing home sales. They're back to pre-pandemic levels. Housing starts plunged 14% in May. So no surprise, given that we're seeing some of the fastest increases in mortgage rates in decades right now. So, I mean, we do, th- do think the US economy fared okay in the second quarter, probably grew at about a two and a half percent annualized rate, but I'm afraid that's probably the peak for the US economy for a while. Jennifer, Europe's economy is facing an enormous challenge from, from soaring natural gas costs. How is it coping? Well, it's it's very difficult, actually. It's funny, you guys are talking about retail sales. And I was just looking up the latest retail sales data for Europe and for the euro area, they're actually down a big 1.3% for April, led by a big drop in Germany. So Germany, there have been actually questions about whether or not it should be able to avoid a recession as it has been one of the most impacted by the global shortage of semiconductors. So this is at the beginning of 2022. Then of course, we had the two big factors that cropped up to make an already difficult situation even worse. We've got number one, the onset of the war in Ukraine, which sent shockwaves across Europe. And of course, that impacted energy and food costs and trade and business confidence. And secondly, we have the onset of the lockdowns in Shanghai and Beijing and other parts of China. And that worsened the already problematic supply problems. So now as we're entering the second half of 2022, we're expecting very little growth across the euro area and even a possible contraction. And that is 
probably even more likely to happen in the UK where they've already seen two outright declines in GDP in March and April alone. So we probably can't ignore the elephant in the room, inflation, in this discussion since it will have such an enormous impact on the the interest rate and economic outlook. Ben, I know uh, in Canada that May CPI report that's coming out soon, uh, all eyes are on it to see whether it's just as bad as the, the one in the U.S. What is your sense of inflation in Canada? Well, it's almost as bad as the U.S., I guess, let's put it that way. We're not quite as high as, as the U.S. numbers, but they're still poised to accelerate further. Gasoline prices were up very strongly in May, and, and again, they're up in June. And so they're, they're still likely further upside from the May CPI print that we're going to get tomorrow. And from then on, it, it, it is an open question as to where we go. Energy prices are going to play a pretty big role there. But what we do know for sure is that it, it's going to take time for inflation to decelerate, and it's going to take well over a year to get back to the Bank of Canada's 2% target. And so we are going to be dealing with elevated inflation for a very long time here. Yeah, situation in the U.S., almost a carbon copy. Uh, that, that May CPI report stunned even us, and we've been consistently on the high end of the consensus view on, on inflation for the U.S. For, for more than a year now. But you know, we did expect inflation to peak in April, and it didn't in May, headed higher. And I think more worrisome is just the broad-based nature of the price increases. This is not just fuel and food. It's basically everything going up. And now we have revised up our inflation forecast for the U.S. We don't see a peak in the CPI rate until September now and just above 9%. Now, I mean, we, we will see inflation rolling over towards the end of this year and through next year. We do expect commodity prices to ease off. They're not going to go back to pre-pandemic levels, but we are expecting a pretty significant downturn over the next year. And oil prices are expected to recede a bit as well as, as the economy slows. But you know, we're still going to end up, much like in Canada, I think, in the U.S. with inflation, CPI inflation, at 3% or maybe even a little higher by the end of next year. So still higher than the Fed's 2% target. And unless it wants to risk a severe downturn, it's just going to have to tolerate a slow ride back to price stability. Jennifer, I know inflation is raging across Europe as well. What's the outlook there? Well, it's probably the biggest challenge right now that uh, Europe is facing, inflation itself and energy supplies. We're not talking about labor market tightness, not worried about that. It's just making sure people have enough gas supplies just to stay warm this winter and businesses have power to operate and to turn the lights on. So it's clear right now that Russia can completely turn off the taps whenever it wants to. It's already cut uh, supplies by 60% to Germany as of mid-June. So if Germany, just to use one example, just picking on Germany here, if they are able to fill up their tanks to like 90%, it could actually make it through about two or three months of a normal winter. And this is assuming there is no Russian energy available to be used. So yes, unfortunately, they're going to have to go against what they believe in and start using the highly polluting coal to help generate electricity. But obviously, when you're desperate, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures and nobody wants to resort to rationing. So, of course, and, you know, this is all contributing to higher inflation. We've got sky high energy prices and fruit prices, and those are all slamming businesses and households alike. So in the UK, by the way, I also want to mention that they have this added kick from the higher domestic utility costs. We've got the UK energy regulator, which allows utility companies to raise their costs two times a year. So we could actually see UK inflation hit 11 percent. I'm going to say that again for the shock effect, 11 percent in October. So it's going to be very, very painful over there. So central banks basically in the fight for their life with inflation now, basically trying everything possible to tame it. 
In Canada, Ben, uh, I know the Bank of Canada has raised rates 125 basis points, uh, and it's saying it's going to act forcefully. Where, where do you see Bank of Canada's policy rate moving o- over time? Uh, still, still higher, of course, as, as the battle against inflation continues. The next meeting in July, we're expecting them to raise rates 75 basis points. And that will be followed by a 50 basis point move in September and then a pair of 25 basis point moves in October and December, pushing the rate up to, to three and a quarter percent. And that, that's a level we haven't seen since before the financial crisis. And I guess the, the question that is looming large is what kind of an impact is that going to have on the Canadian economy, especially if you consider how important housing has been over the past 10 years and how heavily indebted households have become partially due to that housing boom. And, and so that's something that the bank is going to have to deal with. And definitely weighs and looms on the outlook for the Canadian economy. Yeah, and in the U.S., pretty similar situation. Even if the economy slows pretty dramatically, I don't think the cavalry is going to be coming to the rescue this time. I mean, the Fed has basically told us it's it's committed to restoring price stability and its commitment is unconditional, meaning if it takes a recession, so be it. Chair Powell, uh, he's already pegged uh, the size of the next rate hike at between 50 and 75 basis points. One can't even rule out a, a larger move if we see some more nasty surprises on the inflation or inflation expectations front. Uh, in recent days, some Fed policymakers have, have talked about 75 basis points in July, and we wouldn't disagree. We are expecting the funds rate to hit just under 3.5% by the uh, end of this year, so up another 175 basis points. And then the Fed uh, could probably pause you know, as the economy stalls and, and grows very slowly next year. And as inflation rolls over, and I guess the good news is at the longer end, we probably don't see much further potential for 10-year and longer interest rates uh, going up. Uh, The market is fully anticipating higher policy rates. So we could see that 10-year Treasury rate peak just above current levels, maybe at 3.5% by year end and then stabilize next year. But it really all comes down to the inflation outlook. And Jennifer, for BCB, I know they're just talking about, you know, for the first time in years, talking about raising interest rates. Uh, where do you see uh, the ECB going on policy rates? Still amazing that the ECB is actually going to be partaking in this rate hike campaign along with everyone else. They basically said that they are ready to go 25 basis points in July. And the question more now is what are they going to do in September? You know, the Hawks are, are pushing for 50 and, and everyone else is still pushing for a steady 25 basis point rate hike. So, you know, we, we believe in a 25 basis point hike in July, probably 15 in September. The problem, of course, is just how to deal with the fragmentation story or how to deal with rising yields in this for those countries, the, the highly indebted peripheral countries. So there is supposedly a plan being worked out by the ECB staff, some sort of a bond buying scheme that will put a cap on bond yields for certain countries. So let's see what they come up with. But we do expect the ECB to raise rates another about four times this year, starting in July, leaving the refund rate at one and a quarter percent. Now, for the Bank of England, they've actually been tightening already. They started before a lot of these other guys have started. And I have to wonder how aggressive they want to be because, you know, at least with the Fed and with the Bank of Canada, they, you know, we're still dealing with a very strong economy. But again, in the UK, we're basically saying that they're going to be tightening into a possible recession. So we still see the bank hiking, the Bank of England hiking 25 basis points for the remaining meetings this year. But again, how they say it and what they're communicating, whether or not they're going to be super aggressive, that remains to be seen. So higher interest rates, high inflation, uh, stock markets under pressure, but it all sounds like a gloomy outlook for the economy in that. So it's obviously facing 
big challenges, but that's really where the, the rubber hits the road. You know, where, where does the economy go from here and where does the labor market unemployment rate go and how close to recession will we come? I guess we'll start with uh, Canada. Ben, what's your view on where the Canadian economy is going? I know, I know you mentioned it bound to slow, maybe even stall, but do you want to flush out that view? Well, we don't have a recession in our, as our base case at the moment, but the odds are clearly rising. We put them modestly below 50% at the moment, but the risks are clearly there. And, and we'll see how certain variables play out. And, and, and energy prices would definitely be one. And the extent of the pullback that we get in housing would, would be another important area to look at for the Canadian economy. And it is possible we avoid this worst case scenario if things go the right way. But for now, given the Bank of Canada's uh, aggressive tone, aggressive posture, aggressive rate hikes, and, and still many more to come, combined with inflation printing probably north of 7%, and then we could even see 8% of the months ahead, it's going to be challenging to avoid a slowdown at a minimum. And again, the risks are still on the downside there. So it's going to be a very challenging period ahead. And I don't envy central banks who have to deal with high inflation in the face of slowing growth. And that that's really not something that they've had to deal with for decades now. And it is clearly a, a big challenge. And those challenges are equally high for the U.S. economy. I mean, as we been raising our Fed rate outlook, we've also been pretty busy slashing our, our U.S. growth forecast. And much like Canada, we basically see the economy stalling uh, around the turn of this year. So by the fourth quarter and then continuing right into early next year and then just growing very slowly next year, 1% in 2023. That's below the consensus view, though, you know, there's a potential for it to start getting marked down as well. Uh, suffice to say the line between a soft and hard landing, pretty thin. The full weight of these tighter financial conditions from soaring interest rates to plunging stocks and wider credit spreads will hit the economy later this year at a time when inflation is still will still be running pretty high and draining extra savings and spending power. So, you know, that's, that's the reason why some of these recession probability equations spit out odds of 70% or more for the year ahead. So it seems likely that some landing is going to occur. Now, we're still leaning towards a fairly soft one for the U.S., so-called growth recession sends a jobless rate kind of drifting higher, but not sharply higher. But I would agree, same with Canada, the odds of a, a more severe downturn are, are probably close to coin flip right now. It really does all come down to inflation behaving itself much better over the next while. And Jennifer, situation in Europe, I don't know if it's any better, if the outlook's any better, probably not, but what's your view there? Oh, not much, actually. You know, I think the recession risks are probably even higher across Europe than they are for Canada and the U.S., just given all the reasons we've outlined, especially the high dependency on Russian oil and surging energy costs and surging costs for food as Ukraine. The breadbasket for Europe is still under a lot of pressure. You know, there are apparently millions of tons of grains that just can't leave those Black Sea ports because of Russian troops. So you have to imagine that inflation is going to stay far above the 2% target and the ECB's uh, own forecasts for some time. So with inflation above target, I think that's going to just force central bankers to keep doing something, anything to rein inflation back towards that low target. But I, you know, I agree with, you know, both you and Ben, I think it's just going to take years before that can happen. It's just very, very challenging times. Well, thanks, uh, Jennifer and Ben. Not sure you made me feel any better about the global outlook, but at least I'm a little wiser. And thanks for everyone for uh, listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to BMO Smarter Investing, a podcast brought to you by BMO Investor Line. We are here to empower Canadians to invest smarter. 
For more information on how you can start investing today, visit bmo.com slash online investing. And be sure to subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi there, this is Michael Hyatt, host of the podcast Business Unplanned, brought to you by BMO. You can listen to the new season of Business Unplanned as we sit down with industry leaders from BMO, ADP, Moneris, and Meta. This season, we're going to be sharing how to work on, but not in your business. I'm also going to be sharing my perspectives on the business environment, opportunities for growth, and why it's just a great time to be a business owner. Future is great, and there are plenty of opportunities ahead, and we'll share them with you on Business Unplanned. Subscribe wherever you are and wherever you listen to podcasts.